Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Wednesday, January 11th, 2023. I'm one of your host, Blessing, Adelia Jr., and joining me is host of PS I Love You XOXO, a.k.a. host of WWE's This Is Awesome, a.k.a. WWE Superstar, Greg Miller. Hello, Blessing. How are you? Doing good, Greg. How's it going? Excellent. Happy to be here. I just downloaded Cartwrighter Drift. Oh. Very excited to see how this pans out. I forget, does this... This is a Nexon one. This is the one yeah. they've been talking about. It's got. It's going to be coming to consoles and everything else, but it's PC and mobile today, and it's cross-platform, cross-everything. I think it's cross-progression, mm. too. So, what, yeah. what inspired the download? Why don't you I love get a on Mario Kart? Racer. I love a good well, car There's racer. Mario Kart on, on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, well, but I feel like that's we, we also, you know, we, we beat him into oblivion with Mario Kart. We, we did. Yeah. That is just Wait, what do you mean we? What are you saying we? <laughs> Barrett for sure. Barrett, <laughs> the I'm not, royal I'm not even by, 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 Barrett and fucking goddamn. Yeah, I don't know if you can uh, you can take credit. Barrett that, and Tim for sure aren't fun to play anymore. They they know the shortcuts. They know all the buttons. They know no, thank you. That's what an insane person would play. That's true. Only an insane person would play 200 CC. You want to bust out a 150 CC right now? I'll whip your ass. <laughs> all right. Don't worry about it. I'm coming out of it. I'll come out of it. Should I download Cartwright or Drift? I don't know. I, I don't know. Remember, this is something they've talked about for a long time. And then I just got this email about it. Like, oh, hey, it's out today. I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. Shit. Okay, cool. I don't want you to send me notifications. Oh, there's an update of yeah. See, it's like you know, it's a mobile game. They got to mm-hmm. download a bunch mm-hmm. of updates or whatever. Are you are you hoping this is the what the next Marvel snap for you? Where it's like, oh, shit, I'm hoping it's something mobile cool. games taking over my you life. You know, it is. You know, I don't want it to take over my life. Mm-hmm. I got a very busy life as is. I just want it to be a solid little kart racer. See what that's all about. It kind of looks a little bit like Mod Nation Racers. You know what I mean? Just it does. looks like it. So that's one of those things where I'm like, Meh. am I expecting it to be Mod Nation Racers? No. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the load times won't be as long. But I'm hoping to have a little bit of fun here and there with it. Hopefully it works with Backbone too. Chat, let me know. I don't know what's going on with that. How do you feel going into the, I guess, next review season? Uh, review season at this point feels like it's never ended. It never but ends, I, yeah. I feel like we're about to enter just another, another review season storm. At this moment, January 11th, 2023, I feel really good about review season. Mm. You've seen, we've planned out the first quarter of uh, XCast, PS I Love You, Gamescast headlines, right? So we can see what we're reviewing, where it is, what you need to be aware of. I would say... The, the fog of war is slowly being revealed out into like February-ish of like, when are we getting this game? And what's, what do you think the embargo might be? And that kind of thing. So I feel like we're on top of it right now. I'm, st- I'm still worried about that last week in January where we're getting Forspoken, Dead Space, and Season. Yes. Three games that I yes. think a lot of us are looking forward to. 100%. Well, I say a lot of us because not everybody here Dead is looking forward Space, to yeah. Season, sure. Forspoken is... The coin flip people are yeah. interested in. But is this the thing? Are we I, like this? Are we not like this? Most of us, I think, are going to play for Spoken, though. Is the to thing. try it. To try it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 And so I, I like juggling, what, two AAA games and a highly anticipated indie, let alone, you know, uh, Baird's going to be playing that SpongeBob SquarePants, the Cosmic Shake. Game of the Year contender. Monster Hunter Rise is coming out on platforms on January 20th. We're, Persona is coming through soon. One Piece it's Odyssey a busy is time. coming through. One Piece but Odyssey. this is the thing you keep saying, and we're not going to say anything. We're not going to break any embargoes. You keep mm-hmm. acting like we don't have some of these games. 
You know what I mean? Some of these games we may or may not have, and that's making it feel like it's not going to be a, oh shit, on a random Friday before, the week before we get like seven games. That doesn't feel like what's happening. Mm. I feel good right now, January 11th. Check in later and we'll see. Let me tell you, a game that we definitely don't have is a game called Skull and Bones. Let's talk about today's stories, which include Xbox confirms its game showcase, Naughty Dog focusing less on cutscenes, and there's some Ubisoft stuff going on because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each new week at 10 a.m. live right here on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games and Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for Kind of Funny Games Daily. Remember, you can use Epic Creator Code Kind of Funny on all Epic Store and Epic in-game purchases like Rocket League and Fortnite to help support the channel. To be a part of the show, head to kindoffunny.com slash KFGD to write in with your questions, squad ups, and more. And remember, patreon.com slash Kind of Funny will get you the show ad-free, plus a bevy of bonus content. Now, what's that? What's that you're holding up there? Turns out preseason doesn't start. Preseason starting line for Cart Rider Drift starts at 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, but it, hey, it's downloaded now. You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a down for Rider Drift. You got me excited now. I, but again, uh, you got me excited. I don't, I don't want you coming in tomorrow. I mean, like, this game sucks. Greg, How dare you? Greg was wrong. Greg knows nothing Greg about it. I played Greg Rider knows Rider. that they've been saying they've been talking a good game. Throw up a Car Rider Drift trailer, Bear. They, they've been talking a good game. They've been talking about it. I just need more kart racers because I, I feel like there's not enough, there's not enough competition in the kart racers scene. Yeah. Also, it turns Bring out back uh, Diddy Kong Racing. the embargo is up for one of the games we just mentioned. Uh, uh, one Piece Odyssey was uh, went up a couple of hours ago. Played oh. the first hour. Very fun. Very into it. Mike has been played that first. I think he's past the first hour, actually. But he was enjoying it, too, is what yeah, he was saying. He's not a turn-based RPG jabroni over there. Sure. And, but because of the, the love and power of One Piece... We will definitely both be playing that game and maybe talk a little bit about it uh, more on kind of anime uh, later oh, this week. I've been seeing I've been seeing a little bit of buzz for One Piece Odyssey online as the review embargo has been been going up. I, it seems like people are digging it, and it it's seems got like Dragon Quest Eleven vibes, man, and that fits so well in a three D One Piece RPG game, man. Greg, I'm gonna need a code for One Piece Odyssey. Why didn't you say it when I requested their codes? Because I didn't think I would need a code for One Piece Odyssey <laughs> when you when you asked. I played enough of these anime games to know that like most of them are not gonna hit for me. Okay, but. Uh, yes, please. Also, what kart racer am I looking up? Kart Rider Drift. Kart Rider Drift. As you're doing that, let me update everybody on housekeeping. Uh, housekeeping for you, the first episode of the, of the year of The Blessing Show is up right now. If you don't know, The Blessing Show is my video series where I break down what's up in the gaming industry. And this new episode is the first episode shot from this bare bedroom. You can check it out and watch me recap 2022 on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Of course, this is my non-game of the year awards where I go through. I create a bunch of random ass categories. The <laughs> uh, Mainly the categories are um, their conduit to get me into talking about different games that came out last year and really recapping the year. And so uh, if you want to if you want to bask in 2022 and all the bits that we can come up with, me and Roger can come up with uh, making fun of 2022, go check out The Blessing Show. At the very least, go watch it and like, look at how great it looks. Like You look oh. great, obviously, as always, but look at this edit Raj did. Look at the studio. Look what he's able to do with all the cool to tools we've given you guys. Like I'm so excited to watch this in full. I only got to see it. It came in hot. It did. Send Roger some love. He was editing this thing till the 11th hour. So yeah. Very excited to watch this. Roger game. killed it. As Snowback Mike would say, Roger was in his Duffy for this one. Sure, absolutely absolutely sure. demolished this edit. And so go check that out. And then the brand new episode of PS I Love You XOXO and XCast, the crossover episode, is now available. It is our video game fantasy draft where we pick teams of the best of the best video games releases of 2023. That is up on both the PS I Love You and the XCast podcast feeds and also on YouTube.com slash Games. 
And Greg, I don't think I've actually gotten to talk to you about this. How 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 are you feeling about those drafts? I great. feel really good about it. I feel really great about yeah. the draft. Yeah, I think yeah, we're yeah. demolishing them. It was definitely one of those things where it's like you look at those lists and you're like, what a year this is going to be for games. Oh, yeah. Like last year, I felt like when we started getting into that second half, you know, your 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 last three picks, it wasn't slim pickings, but it was more of like, oh, like all right, like this uh, is a gamble. Like I don't know. And like these were all like, oh man, yeah, I want to like, play all these games. Like by the time we finished, there's still games on the table where I was like, yeah, oh, maybe I should pick this up because there's still. Did you go put good your bids games? in? Did you go bid on the? I other mean, who, who knows? Did I bid? Did I not bid? I, I bid, Greg. I, did, I did, did. Why didn't anybody draft Cartwright or Drift? Unknown quality. I just uh, told you. Why? I don't know if the game's good or not. You just suggested it. You the just trailer downloaded good. it. The trailer, like, again, yeah. this is all just CG, but this looks like Mod Nation, right? Like, mm-hmm. If they can deliver a fun car, uh, you know, cart racer in my pocket, I'm, I'm excited. I'm just saying, Greg, for how much you're talking about this game, I think you should have put your money where your mouth is and drafted this game. I agree. You should well, draft right now, now, I guess. Well, it's also it early access, right? Like, it's not even really. This is preseason, they're calling mm. it. Is that yeah, allowed? So it might not be eligible. Yeah, see, there you go, That's Barrett. Why don't you pay attention to the rules? There you go. Stop looking at new hats online. <laughs> <laughs> What's the latest hat you looked up, Barrett? <laughs> Describe your latest hat. I don't look up hats. <laughs> Green hat. <laughs> I, I, want a, I want a red one. I want a beanie. I just happened to go to the Blink 182 store and they had a nice beanie. Oh, like, yeah, there it is. Of course. There, yeah, it's always a beanie nice with Barrett Corny. Cover up my balding head. What oh. do you think the beef in Barrett stands for? It stands for beanie because he's always wearing those beanies. Uh, thank you to our Patreon producer, Delaney Twining. Today we're brought to you by Honey Butt. We'll tell you about that later for now. Let's begin with what is and forever will be. The Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have eight stories today. A bigger dozen. Starting with our number one. Uh, It's finally happened. Xbox and Bethesda have officially confirmed their developer underscore direct live stream. This is coming directly. I I appreciate you pronouncing the underscore. (laughs) You got to let people know that the underscore is in there. If you're an audio listener, you got to know. I'm pulling directly from Xbox Wire where they write, Xbox and Bethesda will present a developer underscore direct on Wednesday, January 25th, providing fans with an inside look at some of the games coming to Xbox, PC, and Game Pass over the next few months. Presented by presented by the games creator themselves from studios including Arcane Austin, Mo Yang Studios, Turn Ten Studios, and Zenimax Online Studios, uh, the developer direct will focus on big features, extended gameplay showcases, and the latest info for Xbox games launching in the next few months, including The Elder Scrolls Online, Forza Motorsport, Minecraft Legends, and Redfall. To dedicate the proper amount of time for a deep dive into Bethesda Game Studios Starfield, a standalone show is in the works. Greg Miller. Yeah. What are your, what's your, I don't want to say hype levels because I, they're telling us exactly what this is, but I yep. guess what is your expectations in terms of the amount of information we're going to get from this developer direct? I think you're going to get a lot of information about games you already know about, mm-hmm. right? And I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't know if it's the most exciting thing. I think it's what Xbox needs to do for a lot of these, right? Like Arcane Austin is going to be Redfall, correct? Yes. Yeah, and I mean, I want to play Redfall. I, I want to know more about Redfall. I hope I get a release date for Redfall. Um, do you think we're gonna? Do you think this is gonna be the showcase of release dates? Because they're, they're talking about Elder Scrolls Online, which is gonna be an update thing, right? Yeah. Forza Motorsport, Minecraft Legends, and Redfall. Do you think they're gonna drop release dates for all of those? You'd hope so, right? That was the big thing we, you know, uh, the X cast and everybody who talks about Xbox and when we talk about Xbox in this show fall back on is the fact that, okay, well, they had that thing where they showed all those games in that one conference and they said these will be out in the next 12 months, right? The next year, or next first half of the year, whatever the hell it's going to be. And so now we're to the point where it's like you got to kind of put that out there. And I think you have an audience that on the Xbox side is excited for 2023 and wants to be excited for these dates. And I think giving them goalposts would be really good. And I think for Redfall, if it is supposed to come in the first six months, it'd be great to date that now and get behind that and get people a window to be excited for that. When do you think we'll get it? Redfall specifically. Yeah. I think it's interesting when you look like, you know, if you don't mind, I'm going to go to one of my favorite 
sources of information. Mm. Tim Gettys? Gameinformer.com slash 2023, where they list all the games. Because when you go through and you start looking through, we have a huge first part of the uh, first three months, right, through March. And then I think April, yeah, is where it starts to wane. May, June, those are where we're a little bit more sparse for release dates. So if I'm Redfall, if I'm Microsoft, I'm trying to get that out in a time that I think could actually work. I'm looking probably... I mean, I say May, but there's Zelda. But mm-hmm. is Zelda really going to be there? Is that really what's going to happen on May 12th? Are we really going to be think playing Zelda's gonna get delayed? Tears of the Kingdom? I don't the know. The fact that we got a date, like a specific date for Zelda, I, I think Zelda's sticking there. Okay. Then also, I would say, why not, why not do something? See, there's no great point, especially as you look to what you could do. You don't think I April? Because I'm looking at April right now. What's happening in That's April? That's one April. The Super yeah. Mario Brothers movie? Hogwarts. Horizon. Well, Hogwarts, Dead Island 2. Uh, last Gen. Right, right, right. Sorry. Uh, that always oh, yeah, Hogwarts is actually coming out Every time I look at that, that yeah. screws me up. Um, yeah, April would work. That'd be fun. You want this to hit at a point where people are going to be able to be like, all right, cool, let's at least try it. It's on Game Pass. You get in. You get invested with your friends. Yeah. You have a good time. You run around. You kill a bunch of people. You vampires. want it to be like an Outriders moment. Even though I yeah. think Redfall, I would imagine, is going to hit harder than Outriders. You hope so. Yeah. yeah, like it should, right? That is an Arcane Austin game. That is an Xbox uh, first party game. I would think that, yeah, you want to you want to put it out at a time where people are going to have the time and space to actually check it out. Yeah. But I think even if it lands <clears throat> somewhere in May, you know, May does have uh, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom and then also has Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. I will think that Zelda is a different enough game for a sure. different enough audience that maybe those don't. But it's always heads. about oxygen, right? That's what it always comes down to. It's not even so much competing maybe for the dollars as much mm. as the headlines, right? When, I, when Zelda drops, IGN's front page will be all the top images Zelda, all the little gumball Zelda. Like, it will mm-hmm. be that way. And so you got to f- pick your battles on how you want to get out there, especially for a game that I'm assuming they are going to give a g- good push here at the developer showcase. Or, I'm sorry, the developer, developer underscore direct. direct. Give a good push for there, and then try to find a spot where people can actually get invested in it and not feel like they're getting peeled back or peeled away for something else. Mm. Now, with this, they're saying Starfield, we're working on a different showcase. I imagine... At the end of this, uh, what is it? A developer underscore direct. Um, maybe we get a date for that. That'd be cool. With it not being here, though, do we think Starfield real- realistically still comes out in the first, first six half. months of this year? I, I mean, I don't think this is pointing to not, right? I think the way they frame it. Just totally... in general, just in general, how big this game is and everything else points to maybe at any point it could be delayed. Yeah, exactly. I think there are other reasons why Starfield could get delayed, but I think them being like, hey, we're doing a different showcase for Starfield makes a lot of sense because that is a big game. Like, I always go back to E3. I forget what year it was, but it was the Fallout 3 or Fallout 4 E3. So that was 2015 because it was the same year the game came out. It was six months before Fallout 4. And Bethesda Showcase, the bulk of it was them just talking about Fallout 4, going through the intricate details, breaking down. It's Todd Howard being like, and it just works, right? Him doing that, him yeah, going yeah, through yeah. and doing that Great thing. Impression. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I think you would want to do something similar with Starfield, right? Sure. We got that first taste last year at, e- at non-E3 for Xbox, for um, Microsoft and Bethesda. I think you want to do an even deeper dive that is, hey, here is 30 to 40 minutes on Starfield. And I think you, you got to do that. systems, right? Yeah, you gotta, exactly. Everybody looked at it and it's like, oh, it looks like a nice, a trip. Uh, a it looks like another no Bethesda sky. game. Yeah, it looks like this. Like, uh, you need to get into what the factions are and what the stories are. Yep. Do something similar to like Megaton, right? Where you kind of show a quest that has a huge branching path of like, oh my God, you yeah. can do this, If you they can, can get in there and show like one major side quest and just take you through the whole side quest, yeah. I think that'd be a strong way to show it off. You do want to show off the factions. You want to show off the things that the fans are really going to care about. Yeah. Right? 
as some as, as people who've played games like Fallout and Skyrim, we know what what we come to a Bethesda game for. You're coming to it for the factions, for the story, for the different like skill trees and upgrades. All right, how's the combat going to work? Is there like a VAT system or is it going to be real time? If so, sell me on the real time combat because you're Bethesda and I don't know how much I trust you yet with like, you know, just regular first person shooting. But like, show me all the things that, all the questions that we want answered. I think you're going to need some time for that. So I think that makes, it makes complete sense to me that Starfield is going thing. to be a separate thing. That said, I think Starfield could, could also easily get delayed. I, I, I go back to the uh, last KFGD I did with Tim where we did a pizza bet on where Starfield and Redfall are going to land. And I was of the mind that Starfield is going to hit first half, Redfall hits second half. He was the opposite, where he yeah. thought uh, Redfall was going to hit first ha first half and Starfield second half. I keep kind of going that, back I and forth. I fall in that camp. I think Redfall before Starfield. I, I, I go back and forth. Like I, ha I really have no idea where their heads are at with this thing, uh, with, with these games, where they're... Where they're I guess preparedness is that because they're sure. the the rumors on the Xbox side. I feel like are off the chain. Every time I check online, it's always people saying something different in terms of, oh yeah, man, I heard Redfall got delayed four weeks. Oh man, the Starfield needs an extra two and a half years. Of like, <laughs> it, 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 there's no consistency in terms of the rumors and the, and the reports for uh, the Xbox side of things. At least it feels like for me. Sure. Um, and so really, I'm up in the air. I think Starfield for uh, Starfield is one that I think they have to get out like sooner than later i don't know why i feel like that's a game that they 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 well you don't want it to be halo infinite again yeah where halo infinite we were all like this has to be the best halo game of all time right and then it got delayed delayed you moved around dates are changing uh, then then it finally it grew to such a proportion of the expectations on halo infinite that even though it didn't live up to them on its own it never could have lived up to them mm. and so starfield is in a similar th way right where we you know you hear paris talk about it it's like he's like it's got to be great after everything Bethesda's been through with their games, right, to get to this point, have this be the big one for Xbox 2 now to hang their hat on, you have to have that game come out and deliver and be excellent, mm -hmm. which means you have to keep delaying it if Delay it's not it ready. It's ready. Yeah, and it's I, I think Redfall's a smaller experience. I think it'll be not in like, an, in like it's going to be like a two-hour game or whatever, but compared to a Starfield, I feel like Arcane's probably got their heads wrapped around that better in a way that like, okay, cool, this is... A complete package, almost. Let's, yeah. We can give a date. We can get it out. I think. I think where I come back to, and of course, anything can change, right? And video games are very hard to make. But I come back cool. to that. Uh, video games are cool. I come back to that uh, E3 conference, or not the non-E3 conference last year from Microsoft, where they talked about, hey, all these games are coming out in the next twelve months, right? We are talking about the next year of Xbox, and that showcase, including things like Starfield and things like Redfall. I think for them is a statement, but I think it's a bigger statement with Starfield than with Redfall. Sure. Like, I think they really were like. No, Starfield, we believe in this yep, coming out 100%. in the next 12 months. And I think that's why I'm like... Do they still believe in it? I mean, who knows? Back to that's, your, that's a tough thing about to it. To this, I think it was Barrett Wright who brought up, like, you know, maybe this ends with the date for Starfield. It, or not the date for Starfield. The date for the Starfield showcase they mentioned here, right? Starfield standalone shows in the works. If they don't end with a date for that, then that would be for me being like, hmm, mm, okay. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, where are you at with Redfall? What's your hype levels with Redfall? Fairly hyped. That's, I, I, I honestly, this is probably crazy, and I'll probably eat my words eventually, but I would say I'm more excited for Redfall than I am Starfield. Like, yeah. I think Redfall, I, again, why? Because Redfall, I think, has shown more and has an easier explanation of what it is, right? Mm. You watch these stylized trailers of these vampire hunters out there doing their thing with their superpowers. I'm like, that looks fucking awesome. And then you see gameplay of it and reading about it and being, all right, cool. It's like, I can go through and I can play on my own, but then I can also jump into Mike's game. I can jump into my game. We can help each other out. We can do that kind of thing. Like, that's the kind of multiplayer game that speaks to me the idea that it's like i can't it's kind of like the division right where i can go play on my own but i can also get back into it later with people i can feel like i'm making progress and so to look around these environments like you know i loved death loop but even death loop i was like all right cool like this 
isn't my jam. Like vampires are my jam. Like, right. Like that kind of horror and fighting monsters in the night. I do like a lot. And I think it's offering me something that something like a first person shooter back for blood. Didn't where back for blood was Mm -hmm. left for dead. Right. So it's like, go do these movie experiences and then, you know, kill everything. And then if you got friends, great, not blah, blah. Whereas this is like, it seems like there's a narrative here. It seems like it's the arcane gameplay. We know it seems like there's a bunch of different reasons to go out as different classes and take them on and and, and see what you're going to take down. Like, that sounds like a lot of fun for me. Obviously, it's still I know more, but I don't know everything. Hopefully, I'll know more out of the developer underscore direct uh, and have a even better uh, thing. But this gameplay here looks more fun to me than what I saw from Starfield. I know that I will play Starfield. I know that as somebody who likes Bethesda open world games, I'll probably love Starfield if they don't screw it up, right? Mm. But you know me in space. That's never always my. It's not. My, it's rarely my you know jam. Space. Not all the time. Mm. You know, I have rare exceptions where I'm like, oh, like Star Wars, uh, Star Wars Jedi, right? Where it's like, okay, well, sure, this is fucking rad. But even that, that's more Star Wars. It doesn't matter. It's, we're, yeah. it's neither here nor there. <laughs> I'm more sold on using cool things to hunt vampires than I am going off to exist in space. Yeah. yeah like that, you, you know what being I mean? that's, a NASA agent with a gun. <laughs> that's, a star, that's what Starfield is, right? You exist in space. It's like, okay, like, I, that's cool. Like, mm-hmm. I get it, but like. All right. Yeah. Redfall is, I mean, Redfall is the reason why I'm, I'm looking forward to the developer underscore uh, direct. My only thing with this is, I think a lot of people were looking forward to the rumored showcase being more of an answer to PlayStation State of Play or Nintendo Direct or something that is a bit more focused in and exciting than what we've gotten from Xbox. The way people were talking about this, the leaked showcase before we knew about the developer underscore direct, were they were talking on what I would say, yeah, a PlayStation showcase, yeah. an E3 showcase, a, hey, Phil's going to come out. We're going to talk about these games. You're going to get this, that, and the other announcements, surprises, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. This, this doesn't sound like does that. does not sound like that Which whatsoever. is good messaging from Xbox to be like, yo, this is, these are the people that will be there, right? It's going to be Arcane Austin, Mo Yang, Turn 10, Zenimax. Yeah. Maybe you'll get a surprise or two. Maybe we'll have some indies and stuff like that in there. Yeah. But but even that, like at this point, I'm not expecting. Yeah, exactly. Right? I'm just expecting those games that they, that they listed. And so we'll see how that pans out. I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, I'm always down to see more Redfall. Redfall. Story well, what's number- your hype level for Redfall? I'm excited for it. Are you more uh, excited for Starfield? Oh, yeah. I'm way more okay. excited for Starfield. Starfield is one of my most anticipated games this year. And that is even with the idea that it could, you know, trip and fall. It could sure. be the next Cyberpunk. It could, you know, do all these things. It could be Anthem, whatever. Um, I'm still excited for it just for the idea of I really like Bethesda open world games. And, like, if if at the very least it is Fallout 4 where I play it and I'm like, oh, man, I don't love this as much as, you know, 3 or Skyrim or whatever. Yeah. I still enjoy it. You're still going to put hundreds of hours into it and enjoy exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, I'm yeah. still going to play the hell, hell out of it. And so, yeah, I got my fingers crossed for it. And, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for it. Uh, story number two, we got big things popping over at Ubisoft. This is a story that was pretty much breaking as we we're going live. So I've pretty much been compiling by tweets. But there is also a press release that is very marketing speak. And so I'm going to start with the tweets. And then if we want to, we can get into the press release. Okay. I am pulling from Stephen Totillo, who tweeted out uh, news. Ubisoft, facing surprisingly slower sales, has canceled three unannounced games on top of the four they canceled in July, planning $200 million uh, in cost uh, reduction, including natural attrition and divesting non-core assets. He then continues in a Twitter thread, uh, dot, 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 Skull and Bones delayed again, it (laughs) seems. Uh, Ubisoft mentions upcoming beta phase, adding Skull and Bones will now be released early 2023 to 2024. Just stop. Just stop Skull and Bones. I like, understand. I know there's a government. I know there's a bunch of stuff involved. Just stop. It's like it's 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 like a deal that they. That, I mean, not even like I think it literally is a deal that they, that they just can't get out of. Yeah. Right. Where over at Ubisoft, I'm sure it's, there are people like, oh man, can we just can we just cancel it? And they're like, no, man. Like we can't. Like this game has to come out hell or high water. 
Steven Satillo continues, Ubisoft says it has one more large unannounced game for the fiscal year, uh, starting April 1st through March 31st of next year. And then to add in a little bit, Shinobi602 on Twitter mentions uh, from the same press release, 2023 to 2024, we'll see the launches of Assassin's Creed Mirage, Avatar, Frontiers of Pandora, Skull and Bones, and other games, including a large one. So I'm going to stop there. Craig? What is happening at Ubisoft? <laughs> what is going on? What is happening in the House of Commons? Ah, man. I poor management, you assume, right? Like I it's that thing where we Ubisoft's had such an interesting track record in recent history, right? And I go back to and I know this sounds like not recent history, but when Vivendi was trying to do the hostile takeover, right? And Yves Gomon really came out and was like, "Hey, it's a family business. We don't want to take it over. We're committing to what a Ubisoft game is, yada, yada, yada. And that's really where they put down their foot. And it was these giant open world checklist games, a million things going on. And yes, there are exceptions to that. But in general, for what really defines a Ubisoft game outside of a Rainbow Six Siege or something of that effect, right? And they found success with that early on. They fended off the Vivendi acquisition. Uh, they really came into being, we're Ubisoft and this is what it is. And I assume... There is a hubris to it, but then it's also just the growth and how long video games take that, hey, they keep going that way. And you have a whole bunch of people in this gigantic studio when you talk about how big a gigantic publisher Mm. made up of so many gigantic studios. Right. You see that trickle out of like, hey, we're on board with the Ubisoft method and we're making Skull and Bones. We're on board with the Ubisoft method and we're making Pandora. We're on board and we're making XYZ, these unannounced games we don't even know about. Right. And everybody's like, yeah, that's great. And I feel like that was great for a bit. And then the winds blew and changed, right? Where it's like people aren't connecting with those games anymore from Ubisoft. And they're not being acclaimed the same way Assassin's Creed Origins was. Yeah, Origins, yeah. right? It was being uh, getting critical acclaim. Valhalla was getting knocked for it, right? And mm. some of these things. And granted, the systems are better and this is that and the other. But it's just like Valhalla's too fucking big. Yeah. As somebody who loves Valhalla and put like, what, 70 hours in now at some point? Like, it's just a game that like lost its personality because I just can't keep up with what the fuck I'm even doing in mm. it. And so then it's a snapback to Mirage, which is going to be the smaller one, which was going to be content for Valhalla, that they've been like, wait, pause, do that. Then you got Skull and Bones that's been gestating forever, which is, you know, the spiritual successor to Assassin's Creed Black Flag, a PlayStation 4 launch game. You know what I mean? Like, it's... it's They've had so many wheels in motion grinding out what they're doing in these games that I think they see the response, the sales, the temperature, and they have to go through and make these changes where they're dropping all these games that no longer are worth chasing because that's not where it is. And then that gets into a very shaky situation for, again, the thousands of Ubisoft developers that, that they employ right across, around the world. Of What does that mean when suddenly your game that's been gestating behind for, forever, or maybe pre-production, wherever it's at, gets canceled? And then, what do you, and, and then it is a financial thing. It is dollars and cents. This is a business. And so then you have the sort of Damocles hanging above your head of like, all right, cool, are we... Are layoffs next? Is that what happens here? How do you do this? And yeah. even before layoffs, right, with, like, everything that's happened at that company in the last few years, especially uh, everything that's come out during the pandemic of, like, how many p- thousands of employees are we still talking about? Are people leaving and stuff like that? Like, what does that look like on the inside as well? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a very hectic few years for Ubisoft, especially when you're talking yeah. to bring in, like, you know, company culture type stuff. Yeah. The editorial team, which is the team at Ubisoft that was in charge of pretty much establishing their game direction and what's next for Ubisoft and like green lighting games and all that stuff. You know, that team saw a big shakeup and there was complaints about that team being, you know, too just stuck in the past in terms of 
not under not not understanding where to go, not not having diversity in terms of the ideas and the voices there, and them yeah being stuck in the Ubisoft formula because that team kept kind of put, putting them in this rotation of the same uh, same type of content. Right now, I'm I'm curious to see where the shift happens at Ubisoft. Right, where is the either the breaking point or the turning point of Ubisoft starting to release the games that are bringing them back that are like oh shit all right this is good oh man okay now this oh man this assassin's creed game is all and like us getting back into the flow of great ubisoft release to great ubisoft release right as opposed to you know this steven totillo tweet starts off with you know ubisoft talking about surprisingly surprisingly slower sales and my question is what part is surprising about it when you look at last year what was the biggest ubisoft game release what mario and rabbits i would say probably and i imagine that that game probably didn't do as good as the first one you know, and then you you go from there. And you're talking about Rainbow Six Extraction, a game that I think most of us forgot came out last year, right? You're talking about we had a great two streams with a great Rainbow two streams Six. with uh, Rainbow Six Extraction, a spinoff of a franchise, Rainbow Six Siege, that lasted for years and years and years, and is was one of the most revered esports games of last generation. You're talking about Rainbow Six Extraction coming out and just not doing anything. I have an answer of what surprised them. If you want it. I'm sure. reading from uh, GameSpot.com's article. Actually, actually, the author, I apologize. Uh, Darren over there. And he has this quote from Yves Gilmont. We are clearly disappointed by our recent performance. We are facing contrasted market dynamics as the industry continues to shift towards mega brands and everlasting live games. In the context of worsening economic conditions affecting consumer spending. Despite excellent ratings and players' reception, as well as an ambitious marketing plan, we were surprised by Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope's underperformance in the final weeks of 2022 in early january just dance 2023 underperformed as well wow big big marketing push i feel like mario plus rabbits was not marketed well well there's a difference between marketed well and seeing a bunch of banner ads on sites and shit like that i definitely saw banner ads and crap for it but yeah there you go right like you talk about things like roller champions (laughs) like when i think there's so there are there are so many ubisoft games that i could bring up right now where it's like oh that came out Oh, and that got canceled or doesn't exist anymore. What like what was the game that came out in twenty twenty? Was it Hyperscape that came out and was like going to be or that was, was like their esports thing, right? That was yeah, their yeah. battle royale, right? That's at a time where battle royale games are coming through and becoming more and more popular, and that fell flat. And I think that's you start talking about that. That's one of the f- problems with Ubisoft right now is that they're not. Or I should not, I should say not. Man, maybe they're rarely at the forefront of a trend. It is that, hey, Battle Royale is huge. Let's make this thing. Okay, cool. That didn't work. Maybe we were too late to the pile on it, right? Hey, you know what? I, people are talking about NFTs. Let's shove them into this Rainbow Six game real quick and see, oh, people hated that. Okay, well, fuck. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like they're making... No, nah, and I'm not talking about their games. Uh, they're, not, they're not doing original ideas in terms of, like, new breakthroughs. This is what it needs to be. This is what it's going to change up, right? Mm-hmm. Which is fine, because I enjoyed Platinum being Far Cry 6, right? But... Far Cry 6 wasn't a game of the year contender for me. It was just something I really enjoyed. It was a fun sandbox. But theoretically, I could have popped Far Cry 5, 4, 3 back in and had the exact same kind of sandbox experience to a degree. Yeah. So I think it's either going to be either like a breaking point in terms of like, you know, um, uh, layoffs or them getting acquired by another company or a turning point in terms of be- I, I, I think right now, right, I can still see the case of them being in that weird transitional phase of getting out all these games that were greenlit by this older editorial team that has now been refreshed or brand or X. I forget. I forget exactly how that went, how that went, but I know there were big shakeups with that. Yeah. I could see right now they're in a point of get all that shit out or cancel it or do whatever. And then we can enter the next phase. Cause I, I look at the, the stuff they have announced and 
I'm actually very faithful on Assassin's Creed. You know, I'm not an Assassin's Creed person. Which one, Mirage or the Infinity? In Infinity, okay. right? The games that they have announced for Infinity. Assassin's Creed Hexy, I looked at the, or, you know, reading through the idea of it. I'm like, yo, that sounds cool. Like, Witch Trials, Assassin's Creed? Yeah. That sounds really interesting. You have Assassin's Creed Red, which is them uh, going to Japan, Japan and finally yeah. giving people the Assassin's Creed game that they've been asking for forever. That's a game as somebody who loved Ghost of Tsushima. I want to try out that Assassin's Creed game. Sure. You know, I'm somebody who's never really been th that into Assassin's Creed, and I'm about to be in with, the, with those games. And I'm sure Mirage is going to speak to his own audience as well. But you look at that, you look at them remaking Splinter Cell, and I think that could be a possible win if they nail that. Uh, well, I mean, the Prince of Persia remake went off without a hitch, so. <laughs> of course. But I would think Splinter Cell gets a bit more love than Prince of Persia. Sure. Fingers crossed, right? Um, you know, who knows how Avatar does? I'm not an Avatar person, but, like, maybe that could be a, a, a good win for them if that comes out sure. and is really good. That was really great timing, Barrett, on bringing up that Avatar thing. Um, but, yeah, you have games like that that could be promising for them. You have Beyond Good and Evil 2, which does that that's exist or not? Happening. That's no, never that's happening. Still, that's you still know? a whiteboard. My, uh, I think <laughs> another breaking point is if one of these big um, partnered IP games gets canceled. Oh, yeah. Like, if they have to cancel the Star Wars game oh. or the Avatar game, man, like... That's the other one is Star oof. Wars. I forgot about, yeah, massive yeah. Star Wars, I think, could be, no pun intended, um, pun intended a massive hit for them <laughs> if sure. they do that right. And I think know? what you're talking about, right, is, you know, a little bit of what Yves talking about here, right, where he's talking about shift towards mega brands and everlasting games, right? Like, he uses that as a knock here uh, for why his games didn't do well, but I also think that'll be the reasoning why these games are canceled, why studios will close or at least have layoffs and you'll see them really all right cool we make assassin's creed we make far cry they're not walking away from we make rainbow six we make uh, the star wars game we make uh this uh, avatar game and that's what we make we're not going to have a bunch of weird little shit going on we're not going to be you know trying things that aren't off of a mega brand we shall see we shall ladies and gentlemen let me tell you about patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can go you can get the show ad free and speaking of ads let us tell you about our sponsors. Shout out to Honey for sponsoring this episode. Honey's the easy way to save when shopping on your iPhone or computer. Thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past, and we all know there's nothing better than the feeling of saving money. Honey's the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. Here's how it works. Imagine you're shopping on one of your favorite websites. When you check out, the Honey button appears, and all you have to do is click Apply Coupons. Wait a few seconds as Honey searches for coupons it can find for that site, and if Honey finds a working coupon, you'll watch the prices drop. We here at Kind of Funny have been using Honey for years, and it has literally saved us thousands of dollars on tech, costumes, food, you name it. Honestly, I just love how easy it is to just set and forget and save. Honey doesn't just work on desktops, it works on your iPhone too. Just activate it on Safari on your phone and save on the go. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out, and by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this show. Get PayPal Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash kindoffunny. That's joinhoney.com slash kindoffunny. Story number three. Greg, what? T-minus five days from the last one's HBO? Four days? Thursday, T Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Four. T-minus four days from HBO's The Last One. Can you believe it? I'm so excited. Yeah, it looks I'm very great. excited. Yeah. Speaking of which, story number three, Naughty Dog's Neil Druckmann wants to focus less on cutscenes and traditional narrative. This is Chris Skolian at Video Games Chronicle. The co-president of Naughty Dog says he'd like the studio to focus less on traditional narrative in future projects. In a video interview with the Washington Post, Neil Druckmann was asked for his views on narrative storytelling in video games and how it had evolved over the years. Druckmann noted that while it could be argued that traditional video game narratives go back to the days of 1980 video game adventure, he's currently more interested in the ways that some newer games tell their story in a less direct manner. Quote, 
I'm more recently intrigued by stuff like Elden Ring and Inside that don't rely as much on traditional narrative to tell a story, he explained. He continues, quote, I think some of the best storytelling in The Last of Us, yes, a lot of it is in the cinematics, but a lot of it is in the gameplay and moving around to space and understanding a history of a space just by looking at it and examining it. To me, that right now is some of the best joy I get out of video games. Those that trust their audience to figure things out, that don't hold their hand. That's the stuff I'm really intrigued by going forward. On what this means for future Naughty Dog projects, Druckmann added, quote, it doesn't mean we will never, it doesn't mean we'll never have dialogue or cutscenes. I think those are tools in your toolbox, and it's about how you use all these different aspects. Some of it from other media. Some of it as found notes in environmental storytelling. I think there's a way to push that stuff forward, at least for the kind of games we want to make at Naughty Dog. I'm really intrigued. Again, we're never resting on our laurels and trying something a little bit new, a little bit different, uh, that, that not everyone's going to like, but that's okay. And again, it's stuff that we're working on now. I can tell you that teams are very excited by the different projects we have at Naughty Dog, end quote. Greg, are you excited for a Naughty Dog game to become more like a From Software game? It's a bit of a bridge. <laughs> it's a bit of a leap you're making there. But I, yeah, I'd be excited for it. I, th- I, you know, I think you know, as much as people want to dog on Naughty Dog for just being cutscenes or a movie or whatever, like... I, you know, we talk about all the time, you know, the Ishmael story from Last of Us 1, right? Which was told completely on a side mission, side, objects you'd pick up and read and put it all together. Like, that was great. I'd love more stuff like that. And I would like, you know, to... Some of my stuff, favorite things in games is exploring an environment, piecing together the story that was there, right? That it isn't just they threw together a house for you to run through and beat somebody up in, right? It is the fact that, oh man, somebody really lived here. There was something that was really going on here. That is exciting. And especially the same way of like, you know, what Neil's talking about here of like having it be the conversations happening outside of cutscenes. We talk about that all the time too, right? Of like, uh, you look at something like God of War, right? The way Kratos and Mimir and, and Atreus talk to each other on that journey, like that bolsters the story you're telling. It is the story you're telling. Some of the greatest moments in that game happen just along the way right little conversations you throw back and forth at each other of what somebody said or right and, you know i don't need a snack or all these or i guess that was a cutscene though wasn't it i take that one away <laughs> but you know what i mean like i want to say a spoiler one but i won't say a spoiler one mm-hmm. but there's things like that that are happening that are changing the way you interact with the game so it isn't you like you know think of like uncharted one where it was just fucking kill this monster closet full of pirates to get to the next cutscene with drake and elena like i do mm-hmm. like to see those walls fall down yeah, I think this is fun and fascinating. I, the thing I, I do like about the story a lot is how Neil's referring to these things as tools. Yeah. Hey, there are different tools we can use to tell a story in a video game. And to me, that makes it special, right? I think for me, that's what separates video games from things like movies, things like books, right? You have an additional option to really interact and walk through a world. I, you know, I, I love that he, he mentions you know, Elden Ring, but he also mentions Inside. And Inside, I would put up there, is one of my favorite stories in a video game. And that's a story that has zero dialogue. Yeah. It is all show, don't tell. And I think that creates this level of, you know, it creates this level of satisfaction as a player to look at things and really be able to connect your connect your own story based on everything going on in the, in the environment, how how characters are positioned in the world, how like this thing fell over and you have this thing spray painted on the wall and like all the things that we think of when you talk when you think about environmental storytelling, right? You sure. go back to Bioshock or whatever of like, oh man, yeah, <laughs> shit, like fucked up shit happened here because look at it, you know, yeah. like that type of stuff. I think is is fun and entertaining and. For Naughty Dog, a studio that I would say is in at the top of their class when it comes to cutscenes and cinematics and voice acting and all that stuff, to to look at that and go, sweet, all right, we've we've killed it here. How can we, how do we go even further with the environmental storytelling to give the players to give players like a, a, an experience that they can only have 
in a Naughty Dog game. Sure. Right? I think that's something special. What's interesting, too, is, you know, this is a conversation on the precipice of us finding more about Last of Us Factions 2 and how that is going to be. They keep saying it will be a Naughty Dog game. It's, you know, it's multiplayer, but it'll be bigger. And yeah, yeah. And people keep pointing to it being something like The Division. That's a game right there where I think environmental storytelling would go so far Mm because if it is you me and mike running around you know the streets of san francisco trying to survive against clickers like it's weird when a cutscene plays in a multiplayer game sometimes right where it takes you out of the action or somebody goes ahead and triggers it while you're in the middle of crafting something and it throws you over there or you get this thing of like stop crafting they're trying to enter a cutscene, which is a game breaker like if they're trying to take these tenants and put them into the story they're telling in factions that could be interesting too yeah and one thing i love about naughty dog is how in their in their environmental design they they're able to telegraph things right when you go back to the early uncharted you know what things you can hang off of or where you need to climb based on this thing this thing is yellow right or this in my thing in more modern naughty dog games now it's like oh this wall is scratched up i can probably i can probably climb on it if it is while playing last of us factions we go to an area to an area and we're like oh this area belongs to this faction based on how how different it looks oh man this is a scars area because of like uh, uh, how everything is laid out you know like i think that is something that naughty dog would be able to pull off because that is their bag like they for sure i know he's talking about environmental storytelling as if they don't already do a lot of that in their games they actually do um but yeah i think they i think them taking that and elevating that idea way further could really make something special special especially in something like factions and whatever whatever new non-multiplayer game they're working on hell yeah Speaking of PlayStation, story number four, PlayStation VR 2, Oculus founder, or let me, let me rephrase this because I'm, I'm copying and pasting here. The Oculus founder was blown away by PlayStation VR 2. This is Ryan Dinsdale at IGN. Oculus founder, Palmer Lucky, has revealed he was blown away by Sony's upcoming PSVR 2 virtual reality headset. Replying to a tweet from the head of PlayStation Indies, Shuhei Yoshida, Shoo! Lucky said he had the chance to, to try the new headset recently and has high expectations for its future. Quote, I was blown away when I used PSVR 2 recently, he said. The first PSVR was arguably the biggest success of the generation, and this version will do even better, end quote. PSVR 2 will seemingly be a major upgrade over the original headset, not just because it's being released seven years later, but due to the inclusion of the brand new VR-specific controllers. The upgrade in tech has naturally created an increase in price. However, as where the original PSVR was the best budget headset on the market, Sony's latest costs uh, a hefty $549.99, $50 more than the required PS5 console itself. Greg, does Palmer Lucky love PSVR 2 do anything for you? No, fuck him. But I do like this thing of, and this ver- version will do even better. You know what I mean? Like, that's a claim. It's not, though, and right? It, that, I, I mean, we're, I'm fascinated to see. And I know, stick with me, it's an old kind of funny story. But when Lauren Lanning came through for that GDC, when they all they announced PlayStation VR, none of them were out, but we were talking about VR. And we asked him, like, what do you think is going to succeed? He said PlayStation VR. And we're like, really? Over Vive, over you know, Oculus? He's like, yeah, this is the one that's... The cheapest, it's good enough for the price, and people already have the PlayStation 4, so it's just going to be easy to do, and that's why it'll win. Mm-hmm. And it did, right? This one will do even better. Like, that's, yeah. I mean, I remember looking at Lauren being like, I don't know, man. And this one, I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, we are, we cover games for a living. Mm-hmm. I am arguably the PlayStation guy or one of the PlayStation guys. I'm defined by PlayStation. And it's like, I don't see the hype for PlayStation VR 2 the way I did for PlayStation VR. Now, again, even for the PlayStation VR hype, it wasn't deafening. It wasn't like, oh, my God, it's going to be the best things. But this one in general, similar to what we're talking about with Ubisoft, where the world has just shifted and everything has changed. Like, I feel like we're in such a different place than we were at the launch of PlayStation VR. And 
because the play, PlayStation VR, you looked at that price tag, and I didn't see people go, oh, my God, that much? No mm-hmm. way. It was like, all right, cool. It's an investment. They're trying this. I want to support it. Let's see what it is. This is the one where I see the 550, and people are just like, yes, really? No. I mean, like I think, When I pre-ordered the PlayStation VR, I was not excited about it. And that's like, the thing is, I, I think original PSVR, I think you're willing to make the investment because you're talking about a technology that – it has kind of a foggy future. You, it could be bright. It could be not, right? But it is an investment you're making because VR is this new and exciting thing. I don't think VR is a new and exciting thing anymore. I think in some cases it still is exciting, but is it $550 for PlayStation VR 2 exciting? I think that's the and question. Is, we go back to this all the time, right? Of like, well, there's thirty more than 30 games at launch. And you look at that launch lineup list and like, yeah, there's more than 30 games here. But like, I mean, hey, outside of Horizon. Like, Beat Saber is eventually coming. Great. Beat Saber is eventually, eventually coming to PSVR 2. Be eventually coming, <laughs> eventually. not even at launch. You know what it's I mean? It's now like, being de- now, right now, blessing. It's being developed. Finally, I, finally, it's, it feels like PlayStation VR's launch felt like a celebration and a cool thing. PlayStation was going out on this one. Feels like they're trying to climb a mountain. Yeah, and I just don't know if the, the, the mountain's calling them. Call the horizon. Them. Call them. <laughs> horizon. Call the mountain. Like it, it's like call of the mountain will need to be such an amazing game to justify this price tag at launch and why people are in at launch. VR is cool. I like VR. You know that. I love VR. Like, I, you know, I enjoy playing games in VR, but it's just not something I want to use all the time every day. And I can't, I, that was always my thing with PlayStation VR is like, I wanted to know if in six months people would look at it and be like, it's collecting dust on my shelf and I regret the purchase. And it seemed like that wasn't the case. It seemed like people bought PlayStation VR and played a game here or there and were happy with it. And people would come over and they would show it to them and they'd be stoked about it. For PlayStation VR 2, like, if I look over and it's $550 on my shelf that I haven't touched in three months, or mm. I'm seeing experiences that are better and look better, but are also working on the Quest, the Quest 2, you know what I mean? My wireless headset that I have that's cheaper than this, like, I don't know, man. I, I'm fascinated to see how this all shakes out. I'm excited to get hands-on. We still haven't used it. Like, I, you know, we're going to cover it, and we're going to play it, and we're going to review yeah. it, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm excited for Call of the Mountain. I'm excited for Resident Evil. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm excited to see how the hardware is improved. I think that's the one thing that does excite me about trying out PlayStation VR 2 is that I think once I I put it on and once I get my hand on the controllers, I I assume I'm going to be wowed by it. Because you are talking about an expensive um, um, uh, upgrade, right, for VR and it having the eye tracking and it having the new controllers and it having the DualSense functionality and all this stuff. I think that stuff is going to be really fun to play around with and I assume it's going to be very impressive because when I first got my PS5, it was very impressive. But... The, the the thing that that I come down on when it comes to the longevity of it are things like the library, are things like the price for other people to get involved, and like are people going to drop off? Are developers going to drop off years after the re- release of PSVR two because it's not the audience there? Yeah, and it's how you know. What about PlayStation first party commitment and how much yeah. they'll actually be doing for it? It went by real quick, so I'm sorry I did not get your name. One, in one of the chats, somebody did say though the problem with VR is you don't believe it till you try it. What I would counter with is that was the original argument, but now you are talking to at least us, two people who use VR quite often, and I have tried PlayStation VR, and I have tried Quest 2, and I own those devices, and I'll try this and own this too. I I hope I'm wrong. You know what I mean? I hope that I'm wrong, but I cannot imagine putting on PlayStation VR 2 and being like, whoa, this is a new experience. Like, I have never felt this or played something like this before. Yeah, I'll have the adaptive tr- triggers and rumble. Yes, I'll have eye tracking. But is it going to be such a leap from Quest 2? Is it going to be such a leap from PSVR in a way that I would then take it off and be like, everybody, you got to try this. You got to play this. You got to do this. Because even mm-hmm. my stories of 
putting people in the PlayStation VR. I haven't done that in quite a while. And I've had plenty of people over since that haven't played VR and haven't, or maybe they have now. Maybe it's gotten a little bit. Oh, I've tried an HTC Vive. I've done this kind of thing. Like, I feel like at this point, we know what video game VR is. And that you're either in or you're out on that. And I just don't know if the people who are in are enough to make up this pool that it will make more games come to PlayStation VR 2 exactly. that will get you more exclusives, that will get you really big bangers that you need to play on it. But again, I hope I'm wrong. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want PlayStation VR 2 to be dead on arrival. I want to, be, I want to put it on and be like, holy shit, I was wrong. This is awesome. Everybody should pick this up. It's worth the price. Let's go. Story number five. Final Fantasy 16 producer denies the existence of a PC version. This is Ryan Dinsdale at IGN. Final Fantasy 16 producer Naoki Yoshida has denied that the upcoming Square Enix game will appear, will appear on PC, telling interested fans to buy a PlayStation 5. A video clip published to a Japanese website, Nico Video, was shared on Twitter by industry insider Genkai, who translated Yoshida's comments, which have been verified by IGN, regarding a PC version of Final Fantasy 16. Quote, Nobody said a word about PC about a PC version releasing," said Yoshida. "Quote: Why is it why is it like a PC version is releasing six months later? Don't worry about that. Buy a PS5. Sorry, I went overboard. We did our best, so please look forward to it." End quote. The claim that nobody said a word about PC about a PC version is untrue, however, as Square Enix itself did. <laughs> <laughs> the original reveal trailer for the game claimed blatantly that it is also available on PC. Right now, if you're watching the video version of the show, Barrett has the uh, reveal trailer pulled up. If you go to the end of that trailer, on the bottom, it'll say, coming to PC. <laughs> uh, and while Square Enix mysteriously scrapped this claim soon after, the PS5 exclusivity was brought into question again in November 20th. Also available on PC. Also it's available it's on crossed PC. out by the YouTube red line, but it's there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, exclusivity was brought into question again in November 2022. An advertisement for the PS5's DualSense controller said Final Fantasy 16 would be would only be be a PS5 exclusive for six months, implying that it would ar- arrive on another platform, whether it be Xbox, Nintendo, Switch, or PC, in December 2023, six months after its June 2022 launch. The, the exact nature of its exclusivity is still unclear, though. And based on Yoshida's comment, this is even the case at its developer. What a story! This game is coming to PC. I'll let y'all know right now. 100%. This game is coming to PC. Probably six months, maybe a year after. Who knows? But it's coming to PC. No, <laughs> it's it going to be my PlayStation exclusive blessing. How dare they get it also on PC? Listen, man. No. Even PlayStation. Is that Todd Gold. Howard? <laughs> no. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> but yeah, it's just a funny funny story. And I wonder, I want, I want the backstory of why Yoshida is like, no, like it's not coming to be. I wonder if it's him being like, no, please buy the game on PS5. I think, I think it's definitely. I'm sick of answering these questions. Please buy. I, we're trying. We're working so hard on this game. Yeah, buy it on PlayStation yeah, Five. Don't please make hold it out launch. for this PC version. <laughs> Great. Yeah. yeah like, exactly. Don't hold out for yeah, it. Yeah. Help. I'd like to set some numbers here. Exactly. Story number six: Simon Pegg is playing the headmaster, the headmaster Sean! Black in Hogwarts Legacy. This is Adele Anchor's range at IGN. Simon Pegg has joined the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, voicing the infamously <laughs> cantankerous headmaster. Phineas Nagellus Black in Hogwarts Legacy. <laughs> Peg did you know he was infamously cantankerous? I did not know that he was infamously cantankerous. Actually, you learn, learn if new you read the day. books, you would. Okay, I don't even know. Was Phineas... he in the books? Yeah, he's like a prominent character, but he like wasn't the in the movies. Few, they completely cut him out of the movies. Gotcha. Does he have yeah. a friend named Ferb? I, I, I don't know. He, he's one of like the portraits, you know, like how you can talk to a portrait sure. of, of somebody. Oh. So like that's how he is in the, those stories. So. Gotcha. I, I don't know about his friends named Ferb and Phineas and stuff like that. Peg describes his character, the great 
the great-great-grandfather of Sirius Black, oh, I know Sirius, I know who that is, uh, as the least popular headmaster in the history of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Quote, we saw Phineas in the books and the films. Uh, he was a portrait in Dumbledore's office, but this, this is at, at a time when he was actually actively the headmaster, uh, Peg notes in the announcement video, taking us behind the scenes of Hogwarts Legacy and introducing his character. The cast also features Leslie Nicole as Professor Matilda Weasley, the deputy head, headmistress of Hogwarts, Candace Kane as Professor Oni, uh, a gifted seer and uh, divination teacher, divination teacher, uh, and Sam Capilla as Professor Satyavati uh, Shah, a teacher of astronomy who is devoted to the sciences. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I like Simon Pegg. I love Simon Pegg. Yeah, what was the last time you watched Hot Fuzz? Uh, well, we just didn't review over, uh, over COVID. <laughs> so I was <laughs> during COVID, I watched it, I watched it. And then, I want to say it was for New Year's, but it might have been Merry Christmas this year. He did a video where he was making fun of Tom Cruise. Because I, and I don't, I, this is like two levels of meta too much for me, where I guess... Tom Cruise does videos where he like jumps out of a helicopter and says Merry Christmas or Happy New Year or some shit. That sounds I've, like some I've never seen do. that, but Simon Pegg was like, you know, Tom, Tom does that, and I've always wanted to do something, but I don't think cool. And what he did is while he was doing this whole thing, he did the same walk from Shaun of the Dead where he left the house of Shaun of the Dead mm-hmm. and then walked through the streets and then walked over to the, the shop, and he, he talked the whole time, acting yeah. like he wasn't doing something cool. I was like, that's cool. Hell yeah. Final news story, story number seven. EA is going to remove a Madden NFL 23 CPR touchdown celebration following the DeMar Hamlin incident. This is Ryan Dinsdale at IGN. EA, oh, this is not the final news story, by the way. This is the seventh news story. Uh, I EA, thought you were cutting one. <laughs> EA Sports is planning to remove the CPR touchdown celebration from Madden after Buffalo Bills player DeMar Hamlin collapsed on the field on January 3rd. As reported by CBS, EA is working on an update that will remove the CPR celebration in the coming days. Though the animation has been in the game for three years, many players called for its removal after Hamlin went into cardiac arrest and received CPR for around 10 minutes on the field. Quote, EA Sports is taking steps to remove the celebration from Madden NFL 23 via an update in the coming days a spokesperson said it got on them i think that's 100%. a very good move uh i'm somebody i don't i don't play as much madden nowadays but i do play a lot of fifa which also has celebrations and let me tell you i i can imagine a scenario in madden where people are like going crazy with that celebration just either troll or like you know oh, sure. do whatever and yeah. when you get scored on it is already a heated moment at least for me in fifa i'm already like oh man fuck this like oh i'm down four zero and you get when you get celebrated on, you guys in bad taste too. You're already heated, <laughs> and so when you're getting celebrated on, and it's somebody doing like a bad taste celebration, it's like, oh fuck you, man! Like get get the fuck out of here. And so yeah, it's interesting. I I I feel I don't know. There seems to be I've read a couple different articles about this, but like a tone of like, oh EA, and it's like EA is doing the right thing here, right? Where oh, it's like yeah. you know, I feel like it should be a little bit more celebratory for hey, they're doing the right thing. Maybe no, they're being too woke, Greg. They're, being, they're they're letting the, the I haven't seen a lot them. of people saying that. I haven't seen the people being like woke EA. No, it's just more <laughs> the fact that been like players had to demand it. I'm like, I'm sure they were probably looking at getting rid of it already, but yeah. I would even love if they went as far because I've seen a lot of NFL stuff where it is like they're highlighting like the or they're finding ways to uh, honor and celebrate Demar Hamlin the player. Itself, sure, yeah, right? yeah. Like even if EA added a thing where it is you highlight like the three on the field or whatever yeah, it is, cool. I think that'd be a, a, a cool and wonderful thing. But yeah, I think getting rid of this is is the right move, right? You don't want to, you don't want to send the wrong message, and also like you don't want players going crazy with that uh, with that celebration. Yeah, I think that's the bigger thing. Someone in chat has said that they've seen people say woke EA, which is just, what the Oh, I didn't say nobody said it. Trust <laughs> me. You know, the people uh, who are throwing uh, around the word woke usually aren't the brightest bulbs, all right? I'm sure yeah, they're I throwing know. that around. <laughs> that's a, I don't think you'd be woke against, like, a like, cardiac arrest. That does, that's not how that works. Uh, uh, just, uh, just showing any sort of empathy, Bless. That's what, empathy? That's what makes you... Uh, empathy is, like, a yeah, negative thing now. Yeah, yeah. 
Final news story, story number eight. A new single-player MechWarrior game is in development. This is Chris Skolian at Video Games Chronicle. A new MechWarrior game is currently in development, according to the president of the studio behind MechWarrior 5. In an interview with the podcast No Guts, No Galaxy, Piranha Games president Russ Bullock revealed that the studio is working on a new standalone title in the series. Piranha has released two MechWarrior games to date, MechWarrior Online in, 2020, or in 2013 and MechWarrior 5 Mercenaries in 2019. Quote, we're still working on Mech Warrior, which has been somewhat surprising to me uh, that we've been able to work on it on it this long, ah, which is great. People still keep buying this shit. I got to keep making it. Like, oh, it turns out people like Mech Warrior. Holy cow. Uh, Bullock said. He continues, uh, everyone everyone knows we have DLC 4 coming out for Mech Warrior 5, and there is another Mech Warrior game in development at Piranha. Uh, end quote. Explaining that the other game is another single-player title, Bullock clarified, quote, It's not MechWarrior Online 2. It's not the successor to MechWarrior Online. It's not a, an online PvP game. Think of it more in line with MechWarrior 5, but a standalone game, a standalone product. So I guess that's an exclusive announcement for you, but that's all I'll say for now, end quote. Listen, I'll knock out every game that it's not, but I'm not going to tell you too much <laughs> He's about like, it. He's like, it's not, not MechWarrior 6, but it's not the online MechWarrior, so... Take do take with that what you will. Uh, cool. I'm not a MechWarrior person. I don't know no, if you're a MechWarrior no, person. No, 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 no. no. But I, I I went back and I watched the IGN review for MechWarrior Five after I saw this announcement, just because I was curious and I was yeah. like, oh, all right, cool. I can see why people would like this. This is a cool Mech game. I'm surprised Andy Cortez hasn't gotten into MechWarrior. Well, remember he likes Gundams, not Mechs. Oh, uh, that's good. Point, I don't know good the point. difference, but he he'll talk your ear off if you ask. I think one of them is like an anime and the other's not. Right. I'm pretty that's sure that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, pretty yeah. much it. But there you go, Greg. I'm very excited for MechWarrior fans to get access to the next single-player standalone MechWarrior game that is in development that might be MechWarrior 6, that might not be MechWarrior 6. But is it an online MechWarrior? It's not an online okay. MechWarrior, just so you're clear. Just it's not sure. online. Just making sure. But the release of that is just so far away. If I want to know what's coming out to Mom and Grop Shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kinda Funny Games Daily Show hosts each and every weekday. As I was doing the jingle, it popped up on my thing. Uh, Natural Rifle is now playing Icarus. In my head, I'm like, that's probably some, some Gundam that's game. That's some Gundam <laughs> He's shit. playing some Gundam anime bullshit. Uh, out today is... Oh, Mike is also playing Icarus. Okay, so it's probably, probably a survival game in that case. Oh, yeah. Uh, they played it already. They had a really fun time with it. I went in there and I killed... Uh, I tried to kill Andy and then I killed Nick. They got real mad at me. Mm. Mm. Twitch.tv slash games, YouTube.com slash games. Children of Silent Town is out today for PS5, Xbox Series X, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Cart Rider Drift is out today for at PC. At 6 p.m. At 6 p.m. for PC, iOS, and Android. I'll download it right after this. Uh, oh, man. Bachin, Bachinib. Bacchanalia. Oh, this is going to be a tough one. I yeah. got to grab the mic and lean <laughs> I gotta in. I got to lean in for this one. Uh, Bacchanalia is out today for Steam. And then TMNT Shredder's uh -oh. Revenge hits iOS and Android as a Netflix mobile exclusive. There you go. That's Netflix cool. Grabbing those exclusives. Uh, we got one new day well, for you. While you're playing to play Immortality, also on Netflix. Also on Netflix. And also Exploding Kittens is on Netflix. The Legend of Team Ding comes to PlayStation on January 18th. Deal of the day for you. Uh, we got PS Plus Extra and PS Plus Premium for January announced. Uh, for Extra, the lineup looks like this. You're getting Back for Blood, Dragon Ball Fighters, DMC 5 SE. So Devil May Cry 5. I don't know what they Special edition. <laughs> did it all in letters. Uh, Life is Strange Before the Storm, Life is Strange, Sayonara Wild Hearts, Ooh. Jet, I assume that's the Far Shore, yeah. uh, Just Cause 4, Reloaded, Omno, and then Erica. 
Erica makes me smile because I played Erica like right after it got shadow dropped after a Gamescom. Yeah. And I was like, this is a very mediocre FMV game. And that was my jam. I love my mediocre. Oh, FMV man. When, for me, it was I was playing it and then it was like, unlock the lock. Here's how you lock pick. I'm like, I'm gone. It's like, this no, I'm out of this. This is not good. <laughs> for a PS Plus premium, you're getting Siphon Filter 3. Star Wars Demolition. Let's fucking go. I've never heard of this game before. Blessing. I, <laughs> I had to look it up. I bring up Star Wars Demolition Damn! Infrequently. So it's basically Twisted Metal, but uh, in Star Wars. What it was out for the PS1. The, oh, okay. I played okay, this okay. back Look in the day. Boba Fett's little legs! So they have Boba Fett as a playable vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I played this back in the day uh, at my friend Addison's house. He had it, and he would destroy me in this game. Let me tell you. It was very annoying. Is this annoying. available on N64 as well? I don't think so. I don't. I think this is just a PS1 joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but shout out Star Wars Demolition. Was it a good game? I I don't know if it was good. Decide for yourself on PlayStation Plus Premium. Exactly. Decide for yourself. But I, goddamn, did I have fun with with this game at, what, six or seven years old playing it? And then Hot Shots Golf 2 is is coming out this month for PS Plus Premium. Very nice. Greg, it's time to squat up with Rye Gillian, who writes into kindoffunny.com slash KFGD, just like you can, uh, with a squat up on PS5 and says, I'm looking to do some damage on Shredder's Revenge and pop some trophies on multiplayer. And hey, dot, 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 I'm a nice guy. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to play with nice guy Rye, you can add Rye on PS5 with the username Mr. Nice Guy Rye47. That is Mr. Nice Guy, all one word, M-R, nice guy, R-Y, four, seven. Go play some Shredder's Revenge pops and trophies now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong rewrite in let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct it for those watching later on youtube and listening later on podcast services around the globe Ooh, editorializing uh dana Rison says ubisoft revamped its editorial team not really a shake-up is there a difference between i feel like a revamp is kind of a shake-up but I feel like that's just a, like a fancy word for like w- maybe we demoted a person or two. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I would include a revamp and a shakeup, but it's it's all semantics at that point. Uh, Keith Rison says, "Bless that he's not an avatar person." They're called Navi. Show some respect. Don't show respect. I don't even know what that means. Is, and did I pronounce that right? Is it Navi or Navi? Or no, I don't watch those movies. I'm not Tim Gettys. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I don't taste. watch the blue. I don't watch the blue people you avatar. The only avatar I watch is the Last Airbender. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nano says Star Wars Demolition was on PlayStation and Dreamcast or Dreamcast. There you go. Makes that's, sense why I missed it. And that's it. For I'm looking here. I think you're fine with. I don't. I don't. I don't agree with Nanobiologist. I'm reading the article he put in here for the revamp versus uh, restructure, or whatever. You're fine. Yeah, you're fine. That's it for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Tomorrow's host for Kind of Funny Games Daily are going to be Greg and the one and only Stella. From IGN. And what's interesting about that is we can confirm we are going to officially, exclusively announce the nominees for the Dice Awards. Wow. Whoa. Like on the show? Yeah. yeah. Whoa. The All kind of funny games, Dave. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. look at that. Big A nice day, exclusive for the show. Well, there you go. Stay tuned for that. If you're watching this live right now, after this, it is the finale of the Dark Pictures Devil and Me with Andy and Nick. If I mean, want- I, I think because we saw them uh, start up Icarus on uh, Steam, it's probably Icarus. You know what? That's a good point. You know what? They're- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got we to gotta figure out this, this calendar situation. We got to find a di- different I mean, system we, for this. We've had plenty of conversations of like, hey, let's like set in like actual like uh, dates for games and stuff. And more often than not, it always like, like, Give me a ping or something. You know what I mean? Like, okay, we're playing Icarus instead. You want, you want a ping from Mike? The man I text and then five days later, he 
finally texts back. Goddamn. All right. Look forward to either Icarus or Dark pic- Dark Pictures, but probably Icarus on the Kind of Funny stream. And then you can cast that later on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Remember, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday live right here on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games and Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. Remember, go over to YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Check out The Blessing Show. Roger put a lot of hard work uh, into it. I put a bit of work into it, but <laughs> Roger busted his ass. So please watch it for Roger. Uh, until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you. Game Daily. <laughs>